Uh, also, another point were, that we found on the research was some participants had some misconceptions and negative perception of animals, such as snakes and horseshoe crabs. So it's also really important um, to incorporate some educational activities um, in, with animals that are not really as charismatic or as other animals, and also uh, animals that are negatively seen by the public, by the general public. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. Hello, Owl Pellet fans. Welcome back to another Owl Pellets podcast. We're excited to have a couple uh, colleagues with us today that are going to be talking about a research study in environmental education. So I'm going to introduce uh, Marita Santos, and she is going to introduce herself as well as uh, one of the faculty members, uh, Kay Kelsey, who uh, worked with her on this project. So Marina, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here today. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and maybe a little bit about how you uh, um, got interested in this uh, research project. Yeah, so I'm originally from Brazil and I completed my undergrad in environmental sciences at Federal University of Ceará. And last year I completed my master's in agriculture and environmental education at the University of Georgia. And my interest in the environment um, was triggered by interactions with nature, during my childhood. And since then, I've been involved with environment education, teaching uh, in aquariums, and also working with extension and 4-H. And right now I'm working as a K-2 farm enrichment uh, educator in a farm school. Excellent, excellent. And tell us a little bit more about uh, who you worked on the project with. So this project, I worked with Dr. Kelsey, Dr. Furman, and Dr. Chris Irving, and um, it was a great project. It was actually part of my internship that I did in the summer at the UGA Marine Education and Center in Aquarium. So um, this project was basically born because of my internship that I did there in the summer. Uh, and the objective of this research was basically to evaluate and assess um, individuals' emotional reactions with wildlife during marine educational programs. So we wanted to describe what were the emotions. And as I said, uh, this research took place at the UJ Marino Marine Education Center in Aquarium in Savannah, Georgia. So we were basically looking uh, to interactions like of the participants and animals. And it was specifically coastal animals. And we were also looking at interactions um, with biofacts as well. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about what you found and what that means for environmental education and even ag education. Yeah, so we found out that during human wildlife interactions, participants, they demonstrate in both positive and negative emotions. And so the positive, um, the positive emotions were like excitement, joy, pride, surprise, and also all the emotions that they were basically doing the interactions with animals. So doing um, live animal presentations, doing nature walks, um, and also doing crabbing. So 
these emotions were really um, intense and they were triggered during these moments. Uh, but also they were triggered during, um, during um, biofact exhibitions. So that means that the animal doesn't necessarily need to be alive to trigger positive emotions. So that was a really cool thing to find. Um, and regarding the negative emotions, um, it was basically frustration and disappointment because the participants wanted to be close to animals. So they wanted to have a close contact with animals. So that's why uh, we, we had some negative emotions. So that means that participants love animals and they wanted to interact with them. So that was really cool. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things that I saw in the paper was about those uh, kind of those negative interactions and the impatience that maybe some of the participants had in being able to watch a, a, a sea turtle eat or various things like that. So it was kind of neat to see. And, and one of the things I'm sure you're going to get to here shortly is um, how do we how do we kind of prevent or prepare uh, participants for the types of activities that uh, that they have to kind of cut down and minimize those frustrations. Yeah, that's true. So one of the points would be um, to separate participants in small groups. So all of them have the chance to watch animals up close. And also like everyone can have a chance to hold the animals so they can get close to animals and have this interaction. Uh, also another point were, that we found on the research was some participants had some misconceptions and negative perception of animals such as snakes and horseshoe crabs. So it's also really important um, to incorporate some educational activities um, in, with animals that are not really as charismatic or as other animals and also uh, animals that are negatively seen by the public, by the general public. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. And, uh, you know, as I think about it as, a, as an egg teacher, even with some of those wild anim wildlife animals, um, you know, does it, where, do, where does some of that fear come from? Is it learned? Is it taught? Is it primal fear that we're just born with? And, uh, and you, you, your paper talked a little bit about some of those things. Yeah, like some, some of that comes because people don't really know, don't have information about the animal. So they just assume things or sometimes are uh, information from the media that comes. So they um, have some misconceptions about animals. So that's why it's really important for us to present real facts and um, have uh, scientific basic facts to support doing educational activities. So individuals can be informed and have the, the real true information. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that even goes to uh, some of the things that we do in, in ag education around literacy, whether it's uh, marine biology and environmental education literacy or other types of agricultural education uh, literacy is helping to get the facts and educate and, and prepare people in, in those areas. And uh, one of the things, you know, we talked about frustration and, and uh, share some of my logic and thoughts about practices related to that um, as well. But uh, in addition to the things that you shared, are there other things that you would do to, to cut down on maybe some of that participant frustration or anxiety um, that happens because they want the immediacy of the, um, the experience? Yeah, so I would say one way to kind of help with that, with some of the frustration and disappointment and impatience um, would be 
to maybe have a moment to um, talk a little bit about um, some interesting facts about the animals, some fun facts about the animals, um, so they can get excited about that. And then uh, later on, we can show the animals so they can maybe like um, have some time to, to think about all the animal information and then um, have some time with, with the animal close to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to one of my strategies that I use in my own practice and some of my, my students, both my graduate students and, and uh, undergrads that are teaching. Well, I've heard this many a times, but uh, I think this is a great opportunity for some preflection, um, even in a, in a uh, non-formal, informal setting like, like you have. So uh, preparing people for the type of experience that they're going to see so that they know um, that a turtle's not necessarily going to go and, and feed right away or what they're going to experience. So not only some of the facts and details, but here's what you're going to experience when you go in or you get a little bit closer to the animal so that um, they have a better perception of what they think they might experience when they go in. Because like you mentioned, there's a lot of misperceptions and, mm. and people think they know what they're going to experience and then, and then maybe are frustrated if it doesn't happen the way they want or it's some romantic notion that's associated with it. So helping them with a preflection experience prior to the experience and prior to reflection and, and, and some of the transfer that goes on certainly would be would be helpful in, in those areas. And that's immediately where my mind went as I was I was reading your paper mm -hmm. is like we got to help the learner get prepared to learn even in these these settings where it's kind of a real world hands on experience for them. Yeah, that's true, because it's also important to respect the animal's space. Like not all the animals can be um, handled, can be held. So it's important um, to give these directions before activities and yeah. interactions. So what, based upon what you found, what are some of the best practices or what would you, what would be are two or three things that you would would be must shares with uh, ag teachers that are out in the classrooms preparing, uh, whether it's environmental education or different types of experiences? What, what do they need to know based upon what you found? Yeah, so what we found is that it, it would be great if you have the chance to teach with animal ambassadors when it's log logistically safe, safe and possible. Um, but if it's not really possible, you could uh, invite a guest speaker or introduce some animal storytelling, bring videos, or even teach with biofacts because we saw in our research that uh, animals doesn't necessarily, don't necessarily need to be alive. It, we can use biofacts such as uh, animal bones, animal uh, remnants. So that would be great as well. And it would also be important um, to introduce that for less attractive animals. Um, another tip would be um, to have some discussions after interactions with animals so people can actually reflect on their emotions um, because this can help them to uh, turn these experiences in long lasting memories. So having these reflections is really important. And also um, encouraging the participants or the students to share their experiences with family and friends. So they, this can also help them to um, turn these experiences in long lasting memories. Um, another tip would be to have pre-teachable uh, moments, pre-planned teachable moments 
where, for example, if you have an opportunity to go on a nature walk, you could hide some animal remnants before the activity and then use these moments. So when you can go uh, during the nature walk and do the activity, you all have you already have some something planned to say about the animals so it can engage participants and call their attention about that. Uh, so you could use some feathers, bones and hide them and even do a scavenger hunt. It would be really cool if you, if you can have the animal um, in person. So that would be really great to incorporate some of those things. Um, and the last tip I would say is to try somehow um, to have uh, the students a little more close to animals. If you have an animal in school, you could have um, the students to check on animals' health and wellness, kind of have like a checklist so they can also take care of the animals and um, have this close contact with animals. Um, so they could use a checklist to check how the animal is doing, if the animal needs um, any assistance or any anything that needs to be checked. Yeah, excellent, boy. I hope some everyone had a, a pen and paper for that uh, that list of uh, mm -hmm. recommendations you have. Those are excellent, and uh, I heard all those elements and pieces that I think certainly on and in, in informal experiences that. Uh, that you would have to create a, a memorable and a, and a, and a well-rounded learning experience. Because we talked a little bit about the preflection, we talked about the experience, we talked about the reflection and then the kind of the transfer. And I heard you saying that, uh, you know, being able to share that with other, other fellow students and friends and take it home and share it with the family and making sure that they are transferring that learning. So um, I think that's an excellent uh, approach and an excellent strategy to uh, uh, engage um, and, individuals in outdoor education and outdoor exploration in, in a manner that uh, is very educationally sound. So that that's terrific. So, and, and, and you shared that you were from Brazil. So I, I, I know that you're going to probably struggle with this next question a little bit and, and maybe uh, Kay will help you to some degree. But uh, as we think about ag education more broadly, or even in, in the area that you're working now, how do you see some of the things that you've learned through this study being transferable to other types of settings. So maybe instead of being in a wildlife setting, maybe it's domestic animals in a petting zoo or other types of experiences. Can you, can, and I know that's outside the scope of the research, but can you kind of extrapolate and, and are there some of the same skill sets being, could be used in other areas? Yeah, it would certainly be used in other areas because there's still a lot of misconceptions about animals. So bringing the real information and then um, using, um, using um, some biofacts and also like some videos, it would be good um, to incorporate in these places as well. And even though it's, it's a setting where maybe participants cannot have a real interaction with animals, uh, it would be good maybe to have some signs about um, some fun facts about the animals so people can learn more about the animals um, and also um, some conservation aspects as well, like some signs of conservation. Um, I think it would be it would be a good idea to incorporate as well. Excellent. Um, I can see that that being a, a terrific strategy, not only for 
um, our, our, our teachers as they're um, instructing class and, and providing field trips, but I can also see that for maybe some of our, our students that are in FFA programs and they need to um, organize and plan activities and make them educational activities. I could see where uh, FFA programming uh, certainly would fall in that, that area as well. And I, I think the other place when I put my hat on too, I think about it from an administrator standpoint or, or if an ag teacher needs to um, provide some evidence that uh, there's really learning going on in a field trip, uh, this type of setting where you can you could connect it back to the standards and, and facts and, and things that are being learned through this field trip and really communicating the educational value that uh, uh, is happening and the return on the investment that goes into uh, the cost of field trips, whether it's time or bus drivers and gas and mileage and all those kind of things or, or cost for emissions. So all of those things kind of add up and, and when uh, budgets get tight, it, people start wondering about, are those activities important? And, and I think your study demonstrates, and if, if they're designed well and, and proper, I think it's a very good way to uh, help um, communicate, improve, help in improve learning, but also communicate the, the value and the return on the investment. So helps bring the classroom alive in a lot of respects. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just chime in here a little bit. Um, I think one of the best jobs in the world is being an agriculture teacher because you get to do environmental education every single day with your students. And having a living laboratory, you know, your, your garden, your farm, your animals uh, are, are always opportunities. And I think what Marina found and one of the most important findings is the reflection piece and, and having that time to debrief after an experience. Um, the other important thing that she talked about was the, you know, planting um, biofacts along your path so that you have those teachable moments that can arise. Yeah. You know, it's not spontaneous, but the students think, wow, that was pretty cool. You know, we just happened to find a snake skeleton buried underneath some leaves here. Uh, get an opportunity to talk about that. But, um, you know, it's a little contrived, but it's effective and it's exciting for the students to have those opportunities to interact with living animals and also uh, biofacts or uh, remains of animals like turtle shells, skeletons, bones, skins, that kind of thing. The other thing that uh, was interesting was the snake animal is the, the, was the least desirable and, and many participants canceled their reservation for the snake week. Um, the participation was less than half than, than with the other weeks. So that's something, a challenge for educators is to raise awareness about the value and importance of snakes in our ecosystem. Um, and I think that's, you know, I feel bad. It's part of our culture though, you know, our Judeo-Christian culture where the snake is portrayed as the devil. Uh, so this is a long history of our adversary relationship with snakes, but um, I think the that's room for improvement or room for educators to focus on if they, you know, if they had something that they wanted to make improvement in. So really excited about Marina's work. She did a wonderful job. She got an opportunity to spend the summer in Savannah, Georgia, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And um, just very, very excited for her and to have her work translated into a journal article and now 
being able to talk to ag teachers about her work is a wonderful opportunity. So thank you for this opportunity today. Yes, absolutely, and and it was terrific work. And and uh, the one point that I would that I'd share about the snakes as as well as that uh, Marina brought up in in her study was the fact that. Um, or it was at least questioning, you know, who was making that decision about the snakes? Was it really the, 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 the youth that were not interested and, and scared, or was it adults that were shaping that, that vision and that paradigm? So how do you, how do you balance that and, and, and within an educational setting provide those opportunities to knock down some of those barriers before adults may shape that for youth. And, and I know, I know primarily the study was about adults, but uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, perspective to cause some thought and to make us think about how adults and other people will influence our thoughts about wildlife and, and particularly snakes in that area. So I thought that was uh, excellent. So Marina, terrific job. Thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, your ability to uh, come in and, and share with us a little bit about uh, uh, this study in, in environmental education and, and its transferability and best practices that work with uh, work for our ag teachers across the country. I think there's a lot of nuggets in here and, and a lot of awareness that you built for us that uh, will go a long way to improving uh, field trips and outdoor programming and environmental education. and. Uh, so I really appreciate you to join us today. And, and uh, Kay, thanks for joining us as well. And uh, um, we look forward to seeing your work in practice across the country with our egg teachers. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to share my research here today. Yes, yes. and thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about the work and share with egg teachers. And we hope it's helpful. Yeah. Very good. Thanks again. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you, and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.